Amen. We are in for an incredible uh, time right now as we gather around God's Word. So why don't, uh, if you're here, you can grab a seat. If you're watching at home, don't get too comfortable. Uh, that, that's why I just, I, I felt like God even say to me this morning, don't get complacent. Don't get complacent. We, we've been doing online church now since the end of March and it is, it is so easy to sit back in a comfy couch or even here go, oh, this is just, this is the small Sunday. You know, we don't have downstairs full of people. This is just a small Sunday. No, I, I really believe that God has a word for us as a church this morning. I say as a church because you watch and we're the church. Right, we're God's church. We're His bride. He is He is raising us up. He loves His church, and I believe He wants to speak life, encouragement, but also some refinement this morning. That sounds like fun, doesn't it? So, we're going to get into His Word, and uh, we're going to kick off into John 15. It's a passage we have been camped in. Uh, we are on week five of our series called Abide, and I love that we are modelling what it is to abide simply by abiding in this Scripture. We could have jumped around around a whole lot of Scriptures. We could have gone to where, where Jesus gets away with God, you know, in the Gospels. We could have, we could have gone to these, uh, the time where, where Elijah ran into the cave and had this moment with God. And No, no, but, but we are abiding in one passage. We believe that God can continue to speak time and time again, fresh revelation out of one passage. So Luke, uh, sorry, so John 15, 1 to 11, it says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, or, or, or other translations say, abide in me, and I will abide, or I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved you. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for your word. Lord, I want to thank you that it is powerful. It is life-giving. God, it feeds our soul. Lord, I pray this morning that if anyone is listening, Lord, who is hungry or tired or worn out on, on religion, Father, I just pray this morning that they would realize that the Word of God is more than just words on a page. Lord, it is an encounter with you. It is a moment to know you for real. And I pray that as we unpack it this morning, you would be seen and experienced 
and your Holy Spirit would go to work on our lives in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. And if you feel like it, you can pray for the Jets. They need a new owner and they need it fast. And uh, I'm believing that we're going to get one. You know, come on. It's a new year. It's going to be a great season for the Jets coming. Amen. New owner, Jesus' name. Anyway, for those of you who know me, you know I love to have a bit of a garden, a little dabble in the, uh, in the green landscape. And uh, one thing I really love to grow is fruit trees. In fact, I Instagrammed the other day. I've been on a little herb journey and uh, grew some chamomile. Yeah, grew some chamomile flowers and I've dried them. And I'm yet to actually make a tea from them. Uh, I'm a little nervous. I'm going to poison myself. So I'm going to wait for my wife to be home just in case, you know, it all goes really pear-shaped. And um, she's, she'll be there to call triple zero. But I do love growing fruit. And recently we harvested our peach pear, uh, sorry, our peach nectarine tree. It was great. I ate, ate fresh peaches. And I checked out my fig tree this morning. And uh, there's fruit like all over it. And I, I can't wait. I love doing like grilled fig and maple syrup on pear. Oh, getting hungry. But I love growing fruit trees. I just do. I just, like Rach and I have very different perspectives on the value of trees in a garden. I'm like, I'm not going to plant it if it doesn't give anything back. And for me, flowers aren't enough, right? Like flowers are great, but they're here one day and gone tomorrow. Uh, fruit, fruit feeds me. It's like every morning my kids walk down the front steps and we've got four blueberry trees and they just, they just go for it. Like anything that's blue, they just grab it and eat it. And it's like, I love that. I want to, one day I want to just have a garden that my kids can just go and I don't have to actually feed them. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm seeding uh, a financial gain in the future right now. But I've learned something growing fruit now for a, free, a few years. Uh, and that is actually that, that the fruit only, particularly if you're talking, say, stone fruit or, or, or things like apples or anything like that. I have two great apple trees. But they only, the fruit only grows on new growth. Right? It only grows on new growth. If you don't prune your fruit tree, you get no fruit. There's no fruit next year. Right? So if I don't like, wait for all the leaves to fall, get to autumn and go, perfect, this is pruning time, I'm a terrible gardener. If I don't do that, you can question my ability actually about caring for not just my tree, but the, the reason I have that tree to begin with. And I think sometimes, I know for me myself, I for a long time viewed this passage of scripture with a really negative filter. Like it doesn't matter if I do good or do bad, I'm getting cut. Right? Like if you read it, that's what it says. If you produce fruit, I'm going to prune you. If you don't, well, I'm going to do that too. And then I'm not just going to get rid of those branches. I'm going to burn those branches. And, and I'm reading this going, man, there's really no, no great avenue here. But then God began to show me that, that actually the entire context of this scripture is God's love and care. And actually how much the gardener loves the garden and cares about what it does and the desire that he has for our lives to produce fruit is seen in the goodness of his gardening in that, that he, he actually doesn't just want us to produce fruit once in our life. He has this desire that we would be fruitful time and time and time again. And, and, and so he understands that to do that, he has to carefully, lovingly, like I don't just go and hack my apple tree. There is a distinct purpose to what I prune off. I am shaping that tree over the years to have this beautiful, uh, it's called an, an upside down vase shape, right? It's in, your, it's in, it's in my gardening textbooks. Um, yes, I have those. Uh, but, you know, there, there is a, I go to my pruning with a desire and a care to get the best out of this tree. 
And we have got to understand there's a reason Jesus finishes this discussion by saying, I tell all you all of this. Why? What's the purpose of Jesus unpacking this with his disciples? Fear? No. Joy. Joy. I suddenly get this joy because I know God is going to enable me to produce fruit time and time again in my life. God's going to do that. I don't have to be worried and concerned about my capacity to produce fruit. I have to trust God that He's going to be a good gardener. And when I trust that He's going to be a good gardener, part of that is that there'll be areas in my life where He's like, you know what, that was so fruitful, but it's time for that to go because I need new growth to form in that place so you can go and produce fruit all over again. And not just fruit, but more fruit and then much fruit. And there's an increase in my fruit because God's about increase in our life. He's about revealing Himself more and more through our lives. And the only way He can do that is if He operates with love and care of a good gardener. And I'm telling you, we've got to understand this passage is about joy. This is an incredible passage of Scripture. This shouldn't be looked at with like, oh, gee, I don't really want to go through that process. No, God, God, come on. I trust you're going to do it in a way that doesn't hurt. I trust you're going to do it in a way that, that shows that you love me and you're for me. So bring it on. Anyway, this is just a little, uh, my little journey with that passage over the last few years. I now see it in a far more positive context. But there's something else that I've kind of learned on my gardening journey, and that is that the really good gardeners have really good tools, right? When I was a uni student, and, and I couldn't – come on, if a uni student, you'll understand this – I couldn't afford good tools. Like I was, I was buying the, the Bunnings brand cheapest level. Like there was a pair of cicatiers, and it's like they're like $99, and there's a pair of cicatiers that are like $4.95. And I'm like, there is no way there is a functional difference between those two tools. I am getting the $4.95. And can I tell you, the $4.95 might have done a job like once, but they rusted, they went blunt, they fell apart. A, a good gardener has good tools. And when it comes to pruning, when it comes to pruning, there are two really, actually really important elements to a good tool, okay? And um, again, learn this from my gardening textbook. But first of all, uh, you, need, you need to sharpen your, 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 your pruning tools, right? Like if you're hacking through something with blunt cicatiers or blunt pruning shears, you, can I tell you what happens to the branch, right? You, you bruise the branch, you like kind of crush it. You don't snip it clean and fast. You crush it and you bruise it and you get like this half cut and you kind of try to snap it off and you tear the bark all the way down the, the branch that you want remaining and it's like damaging it. Right? I, I've done that to so many trees in my learning journey. Um, and then the second thing I realized is that you need, you need clean tools. Right? There is a reality, and again, in my gardening textbook, it talks very clearly about the transfer of bacteria. We would know nothing about that in today's culture. We would know nothing about how easily disease passes from one, you know, one living thing to another. Uh, that's completely foreign to us. But, but the truth is that if, if you're pruning like a sick and diseased tree, and then you go and cut a, a, a healthy living tree with the same cicatiers, what happens is you can actually transfer the disease across. Right? If you're if you're coughing in coals without a face, no, I won't go there. Um, but the reality is that a good gardener has clean tools, right? Because they he he cares about the cut that occurs on this fruit tree. He doesn't want it to get 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 all sick. He doesn't want that tree to get sick and diseased. No, no, no. He wants to keep it clean and pure. And I love that as we read that passage, we pick up 
on elements of this, right? Like we all have already been cleaned. We've already, we've, sorry, we've already been pruned, cleansed by the words that I have. There is a reality that what God does as he prunes us is that his pruning tool is a cleansing tool, right? And, and, and you may see where we're going with this, but, but if I use sick of tears, what does God use? What does God use to do his pruning? Well, it's, it's, it's laid out for us in Hebrews, right? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. If you want to know what God uses in his process of pruning us for more fruit, it's his word. It, it's his word and it is a great tool. Why is it a great tool? Because it is sharp. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. But not only that, it is pure. The Word of God is pure and clean. God has the greatest pruning tool in the history of gardeners. Clean and sharp. And He uses it in His pruning process so that we would produce the fruit of His kingdom. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of productivity. We've spent a bit of time talking about fruit in this series. And, and the truth is that the, when, when we look at fruit, there is a both and understanding of fruit. Fruit is not just one thing. Fruit is many things. But there is some distinct elements of fruit that we've looked at, right? Fruit is producing the fruit of the Spirit in our life. That, that there would be more peace in our life. Who needs that, right? Who, when my, when my parents, with children, who needs more patience? Amen, right? You can pray for me. Three young children. I need patience on a 45 degree day when they're all inside. But there's a fruit of productivity. Who knows that God did not give us a purpose to sit back and do nothing with our lives? Right? Paul in, in the New Testament talks very clearly, like, let's not be idle. Let's, not be, let, let, let's work hard with our hands. Let's demonstrate that the kingdom of God is true and real in us in the way we approach our everyday life. There is a fruit of productivity. But there is also the fruit of the power of the Spirit, right? There is the releasing of His gifts. There is the power of prophecy. That's a fruit in our life. There is, there is the power of healing. There is the power of, of hospitality. And these are all fruits, right? And all of this fruit ultimately is seen in our behavior. We cannot escape the reality that when it comes to demonstrating or, or producing fruit, we are talking about behavior. If you want to assess fruit in your life, take an assessment of your behavior. I know when I go lay down at night, start, start trawling through my day, it's not an incredibly healthy habit, I'm willing to admit that, and you start being like, oh man, Wish I was more patient with the kids there, or oh, I wish I wish I had some more self-control in that moment when that person cut me off on my on my way into the office to be a great pastor. And and, and, and we assess, right? We assess our behavior because that's ultimately that's our fruit. Whether it's whether, whether it's whether it's the fruit of the spirit, it's still it's still seen through our behavior. Whether it's the fruit of productivity, it's it's, it's still seen through our behavior. And I want to I want to tell you something because we can get we can get so kind of worked up about about particularly the the, the fruit of the gifts of the spirit, right? And we can be like, well, well, does that mean I've got to go around like healing everybody? Well, if you've got the gift of healing, go for it, right? But not everybody has the same gifts, and that's okay. Paul tells us we should eagerly seek the gifts of the spirit, absolutely, but but we shouldn't walk around with this expectation that all of us should operate the same way. Because he also goes on to say that actually you've all been given different other gifts, like teaching, like hospitality. In Romans, he says God's given us all different gifts for doing certain things. 
So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak it out with as much faith as God has given you. But if your gift is serving others, serve them well, right? How's our production team? One of the only teams that has served since like the 29th of March, I think it is, way back then. And, and they have served time in and time out. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is to give generously, if it is giving, sorry, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. God, God spoke to me before I was coming up. It wasn't even in my, mo- in my notes, but he's like, you know, you know what is one of the expressions of incredible fruit? It's the story of the boy that just bought the two, the two fish and the, and the rolls. He just bought what he had. And sometimes we can be like, well, I don't have their gifts, so what does fruit look like in my life? You know, definitely no one else has that tone in their mind, right? That's just my, <laughs> that's like my self-tone. Um, yeah, but, but what about what God has given you? What about what God, the, the seed that God has planted in you? You know, so much of the journey of producing fruit is understanding how uniquely God has designed each of us to express the, the full picture of the kingdom of God. But when it comes to behavior, when it comes to behavior, we know, we know that our behavior is preceded by something, right? It is, it is preceded by our belief, and Pastor Keith taught on that for, 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 for weeks. It's become a maxim of our church, right? That we have this understanding that, that what we believe actually ultimately determines our behavior, right? Like if I believe it's going to rain, I'm going to take an umbrella. My behavior of picking up the umbrella or my behavior of going to the closet and getting my raincoat is based on what I believe is going to happen when I walk outside the doors, right? So if I believe someone doesn't like me, I'm going to pull back from relationship with that person or or I'm going to hold that person at arm's distance. So I'm going to disconnect myself. So my behavior toward that person is is ultimately a result of what I believe about something about that person, right? So I believe that my retail job is just temporary. So how I act in that space doesn't matter, right? Because I don't actually understand that it's as much a part of my calling as every stage of my life. And so what I don't do is I don't bring my best. And so I don't bring excellence into the retail space. And I work, I don't, I don't work as if the kingdom of God is actually on display in me in every setting and space of my life, right? Because well, I just believe it's temporary. It's just a spot on a journey. Or I don't believe that my parents, sorry, I, I believe my parents are being, being, they're just being harsh because I don't value the wisdom that they're trying to plant in my life. And so I don't listen to them and I don't take on board what they're trying to say as they try to shape me. Or I believe, like, I mean, I can keep going all day, right? Like our belief shapes our behavior in every, we have got to understand that whether we perceive it or not, there is a subconscious belief system at play that is shaping how you respond in every relationship, in every circumstance, ultimately dictating the fruit that comes in that space of your life. And and I'm telling you, we have got to realize that it is our beliefs that cause behavior to manifest as fruit in those spaces. And I don't know how often we ask ourselves this, but what happens if that belief isn't true? How do we we even know if it is or not? Right, like current culture tells us that, well, whatever I believe is true. It's my truth. You have your truth, I have my truth. 
So, so even if they're different, I'm not wrong. So I now, now I'm running out of ways of working out if what I perceive to be true and what I believe to be true is actually true. And so, so now we're, we're raising a generation that is just responding in every, every circumstance and situation of their life based on the first thought that runs through their mind. Because they've been told that without doubt and without uh, challenge at all, that first thought is true. That's your truth. Let me tell you what God said to me to tell people today. I got this so clearly. God, our good gardener, uses his word as sick it is to prune our lives so that we produce more behavioral fruit. But he doesn't prune our behavior because he knows that if there is to be new growth, it has to come from our beliefs. And so he uses his word to prune, to cut between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, to expose our innermost thoughts and desires. He prunes our thoughts. He prunes our perspectives. He prunes our beliefs about situations, about people. Right? Romans 12 two says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Copying those customs comes from believing that they are the right way to approach life. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, by changing the way you perceive, to changing, the what, changing what you believe about a certain situation or a certain person or a certain context of your life. Then, then you will learn, then you will perceive, then you will believe, then you will understand, then you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And I would like to add on the end of that, although Paul did an incredible job, I would like to add, and then we'll produce fruit, the fruit of his kingdom. His pruning is never, is never about behavior modification. And this, this is where we go so wrong sometimes as Christians because we hear a word that, that we read in Scripture that I shouldn't do that or I shouldn't do this or I should love my enemy. And we go, you know what, God, I, I can't do that, but I know I should do that. And so we try to modify our behavior. We try and we strive and we exhaust ourselves trying to change something without ever allowing His Holy Spirit to go to work changing our belief about it to begin with. And we, 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 we go through years sometimes of feeling like we're stuck in the same behavior that we have been trying to change when it's never about behavior modification. He's about transformation. He's about new growth. Not trying to pretend that that branch that's a peach tree isn't a peach tree. No, he's about, he's about a, a whole new tree, right? He's about the fact that we are a new creation. He's not trying to force a bad, free, a bad tree to produce good fruit. No, in fact, he says a good tree will produce good fruit. We're a new creation grafted into the true and good vine. And so can produce good fruit, but only if we allow the word of God to challenge and transform and prune our beliefs. Can I tell you that this is why abiding is key? Because belief transformation doesn't happen in a moment. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't happen just because I glance at something in Scripture and go, oh, that's, yeah, well, I don't, I don't you know, that doesn't line up with what I believe. It happens because we stay in it. It happens when, when we stay with the Word of God and the word, and, sorry, and the God of the word. It happens when we remain with him and allow him to do the transformation that he promises that he will do. But when was the last time 
that you actually abided in his word with him, allowing him to reveal to you an aspect of your belief system that isn't in line with his word. When was the last time you allowed the Holy Spirit through the word of God to challenge your perspective on someone? Or maybe on what you think your purpose is in this life? Or maybe just actually on life itself? You know, the truth is we don't get to pass opinion on the word of God. We don't get to read the word of God and say, no, I don't believe that that's true. But sometimes we do that subconsciously because we don't like what it says. You see, the truth is that the word of God reads us way more than we read it. If you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit, he is going to read you like a book. Reads us, it prunes us. We don't prune it by our cultural perspective or ideals. We don't get to bring our current culture and what it defines things as and bring it into the word of God and somehow reinterpret and reshape it. No, 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 no. No, we come to the word of God believing that it is trying to articulate to us the truth. We don't get to read something and respond with, ah, no, I, I, I don't believe that. We can say, geez, God, that's really challenging. Right? Like we can't say, God, I don't really understand what that looks like in today's current culture and context. God, I know this was written a long time ago, but I believe that the people that wrote it back then were writing into a context inspired by the Spirit and that has application in today's world through me. I don't understand it, but we cannot say it is wrong. It is truth. And if you are looking for a way to work out whether what you believe about someone or something is true or not, this is the gauge that we have been given by God. In fact, I would encourage you to question it. I would encourage you to sit in tension with it. I would encourage you to explore it. If there's something in here that you're like, oh, wow, that is really tough. Like, love your enemy. God, what do you mean? Like, how do you do that? I firmly believe that it is in the engagement with the Word of God that we allow the Holy Spirit to do the transformation work. You see... Pastor Keith says this. He says, God will always offend your mind first. And so many of us stop at that point. We stop at the point where the Word of God confronts a belief system that we have about somebody or something and we don't allow it to prune us, trusting that as God is doing that, He is enabling an opportunity for new growth and therefore new fruit. You know, pruning is changing the way you think. And today we don't like being told that there is an issue <laughs> with the way we think. We don't like being told that the way we think might not be right. But actually, that's exactly what the kingdom of God is about. There is a way that is the right way to view people, to view this world, to view our purpose, to view our reason for being. There is a right way to view all of that. It's called, a, it's, called, it's called the worldview that Jesus had. And as Christians, and if you're, if, you're, if you're not, you know, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're watching this at some point in time, this is a window into what it might look like 
for you to step in a relationship with Jesus because, because for us as Christians, what we, have, what we have stepped into is not just a relationship with the Saviour of the world, the God of the universe, but we have stepped into a space where we have enabled or allowed ourselves to be willing for Him to reshape how we think about life, how we interpret life, how we perceive it, and therefore how we are going to operate in it. It's no longer my life. I lay down my life. I lay down the way I think about things and the way I perceive things and what I have determined is right and real and true. I I, I lay down that and I take up the life of Christ. My journey is a journey of allowing Him to reshape my thoughts, beliefs, to match up with His. And every time, We allow Him to challenge and to cut and expose our innermost thoughts so that new growth can emerge. We're we're enabling more of the Kingdom of God to be manifest in our lives. And you know what? That's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. That the Kingdom of God would be seen through us here on earth as it is in heaven. That's, That's it. That's our purpose. I am here that the Kingdom of God might be seen whether it's from this platform or in my lounge room, in my family or in, you know, in, in your workplace, at your school, at your job. You are there not so much to make money, not so much to build a great relational life, not so much to achieve. No, no, no. You are, you are there that the Kingdom of God might be seen, that it might be experienced, that through you people would know and perceive and experience that God is real and He loves them and is for them. You know, the beautiful thing is that we don't have to transform ourselves. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Our role in this is simply to come into agreement, to simply allow the Word of God to come to us and go, you know what, you need to change how you think about that. You need to change how you perceive that person. And you know what you need to do in that moment? Go, okay, okay, God, I I need you to help me. I need you to transform me. I don't think like that. I think different to that. I think things are different. I think this and, and engage in dialogue and engage in relationship with Jesus and allow Him to change you slowly over time to view things more like Him. I felt very strongly that God gave me two really clear areas to speak into this morning in people's lives. Number one, some of you are watching right now and, and you're in a relationship that is no longer fruitful. Whatever fruit you got from that when you entered that relationship, it's not there anymore. And you have allowed your beliefs about the person to creep in and God wants to correct them. God wants to show you a different way to perceive them, their behaviour, their attitude, what's going on right now in that relationship. He wants to, if you allow Him through His Word to to shift, to to come and to prune because He wants to bring new life into that relationship. He wants to bring new life and new fruit. And I'm telling you, if you will allow Him to shift and adjust how you perceive things within that relationship, you are gonna go from a place where there used to be fruit to there now being more fruit. But you have got to go through this process. You've got to get with Him and, and, and allow Him to begin to shift and change the way you think. He's gonna bring Scriptures to mind you're going to open up the Word of God and you're going to begin to land on things to talk about uh, love or talk about approach or talk about
about serving in that relationship and it's going to shift uh, the way that you have been perceiving things within that space. And second thing is related to a workplace that equally has lost its fruitfulness. Uh, you go into work and you're bored. There's no life left in that workplace for you. And the reality is that you feel like you have lost your purpose. You see, you used that, that, that workplace used to be your reason. It used to be like, I'm doing this and this is what it's all about. But God wants to trim back your perception of the workplace from a worldly purpose perspective, which is all about achievement and finance and accolades and getting seen and notoriety in that space and that place. And He wants to adjust you to see that you have been placed there to extend His kingdom. So no matter what happens in that workplace, you have a purpose from God in that space. And I, I again, I see that as you allow God to shift and adjust that perspective, what's going to happen is you're going to realise every day that you go to work that there's reason that there's purpose and there's going to be life, new growth and fruit coming out of your life in that workplace. I see you bringing the fruit of the Spirit into that place. I see you bringing joy and hope into that place. You didn't realise that was what you were there for, but that's exactly what you're there for. You're there to bring the Kingdom of God into that place for those people. And God's going to, He's just pruning right now so that there can be more fruit for you in that place. But I mentioned earlier that you know, this, this is in the context of those of us that have grasped the hold of a relationship with Jesus. At some point in our lives, we realise that, that Jesus was God's Son. He came to earth and when He died on a cross and rose again, what He did in that moment was He paid the price for us. You see, sin, the things we do in our lives that, that God says in His Word are wrong, when we, it, there's a separation that occurs between us and God. But when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, He paid, he paid for that separation. And now when, when we accept who He is and what He did, it's like the door is thrown wide open for us to have relationship with Jesus and with God in heaven. And maybe you've been listening this morning and you're seeking purpose. You're like, there's got to be more to life. I want to tell you that the Word of God says there absolutely is. It's found in having a relationship with the one who created this world and created you. And it begins right now as you, as you take a moment to accept and believe in your heart. It starts with belief. I believe the Holy Spirit is stirring in you right now to make a decision. You used to think God was weird or, or maybe not even real, but you feel something stirring in you to be like, oh my goodness, maybe He is real. Maybe something about what we're talking about this morning. You just feel like, I, uh, uh, I never thought it was real, but maybe it's real. I want to encourage you right now to make a decision in your heart to believe. You may not understand everything, but you're going to make a decision to believe that Jesus is who He said He is and that He died on a cross for you. And He rose again. And when He did that, that door was thrown wide open. And right now, as you believe that, Scripture says you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. It says you're saved. It says you're in relationship. That, that it's begun new growth, the first new growth in our lives. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you right now as you make that decision. Father in heaven, for every person right now who's hearing me talk about relationship with you and is deciding in their heart to accept and believe, I pray that as they say, Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I I confess 
There's things in my world that don't align with you. But I receive your forgiveness. As they confess and believe right now, I believe that you're coming in and you're wiping away, you're forgiving and you are accepting them with open arms in a relationship with you. And if you did that this morning, can I encourage you? Please contact us. You can click on the live prayer button. If you're watching live, connect with one of our pastors. But if you're watching this at a later date, maybe on YouTube, someone sent you a link or something, please go to our website, connect with us over our website. We would love to do a journey with you in explaining what it is to have a relationship with Jesus. But right now I want to hand back to Pastor Jez. He's going to close us out.